All right, today on the show, Eric and I discuss racism in sports as the Duke-BYU volleyball scandal grows. We break down John Gruden's lame apology and revisit his ridiculously awful emails. We backtrack to an interview with Dr. Michael Clapper that we had about a month ago. And Sarah then caps it off as in the news, we chat about plant-based meats, Harry Styles, Dirty Harry, and a Harry movie called Why on Earth. But first, let me tell you about Next Wave. Yep, Next Wave Services is a website design company that provides high-quality website design and maintenance work for businesses at a flat rate. Next Wave was born from the idea that everybody needs access to seamless, reliable, and professional website design and maintenance service on a consistent basis. Next Wave believes that their excellent track record of repeat business is proof of their commitment to delivering first-class service all the time. Get a free website consultation when you check them out online at nextwaveservices.com. Founded way back in 1998, which is as old as the internet itself. Yep, that's Next Wave Services. It's time now for the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. Your daily dive into sports, pop culture, beer, and food. With a plant-based spin, I'm Dee, and along with news anchor Sarah Carlson, producer Eric Rogers, and the rest, here is a man who has never put ketchup on a hot dog, Rich Reynolds. Well, hello, hello, and welcome on into the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. We are not all together today. I mean, we're usually not all together here, but we're actually not all together here as Sarah Carlson will be joining us a little bit later on for the news segment of our show. So it's just me and Eric Rogers that are going to take you through the early part here. Remember, you can find Eric on social media at Eric Rogers brand, which by the way, Eric, I'm still missing the clipboard. I was hoping you would hold the clipboard up. Hold on. You still have, if you want the clipboard. Yeah. One of these days I'm going to get something that looks nicer than a clipboard (laughs) for my social media uh handle so yeah whatever whatever works though that's it works for now it is um make sure you go to realmaneatplants.com you can find us there click on the podcast page yeah click on that support button the 30-day challenge read the blogs hit up our youtube channel got more stuff out there even today uh find us all over social media i am at rmep rich and i'm learning more and more how to do social media so it's kind of weird. I'm, I'm getting a, better at it. I'm a Gen X guy, okay? And so Gen X, we had computers. We were taught Which is a about... a pretty freaking awesome, like, generational name. We're Gen X. Gen X is pretty then, cool. Then I get Millennial, which is just like, they. it, it just has become like a joke. So, like, well, hold on. So, so, so Millennial means, just so, so, so we know what we're talking about, like, Gen X are the offspring of baby boomers. And so we were the ones that kind of came in like late 60s up until I believe it's 1980, I think is is what they, they, they use us for or, or what they lump us into. Millennials, I think, are defined by the fact that you can't remember a time before the internet. Is that right? Mm. So you might have been born. I do. Rem- I remember. Yeah. Like I remember very little before the internet. 
But yeah, yeah. So, so you were born when? Like 87? 88. 88. Okay. I think that is millennial territory um, because by the time you were forming memories, the internet was out. So it started hitting prevalence, or at least they, they say on the Today Show, I think that was 1994 or 95 when they started talking about email addresses. Um, and they talked about it a little bit <laughs> in Seinfeld. And so then, then people started knowing what it was. And then all of a sudden you had the big bubble, which was like the late 90s um, with all those companies that came out and AOL and you've got mail and all of that kind of crap. So you are a millennial. I'm Gen X. Now, Gen X is the first generation that had computers and we're not like averse to technology. So we had like home computers, the Apple IIe, which I believe had 48K of um, random access memory, or would that be read-only memory, uh, you know, that, that you were able to draw from. Had big floppy disks and stuff like that. Um, that's what you would play Oregon or Oregon Trail on and um, games like that. Um, so anyway, Dude, I so you found got that. these old computers in the, at the, the high school or in the, the school district where I work. We were cleaning out our old like storage area, found one of those old Mac computers. It wasn't as old as you're talking about, but it's the one yeah. that had like the, the you could see through the cover of it. And it was like this like uh, turquoise color. Like, dude, that's that not old at all. That's like from 20 years ago. But they're in museums, <laughs> dude. I guess. I mean, I remember when like the first Mac came out, totally blew my mind. It still had like a small screen and it was black and white um, as far as the screen went, but at least it wasn't green anymore. It wasn't a, <laughs> a CRT cathode ray tube, I think is what CRT was. But I remember like even a Commodore 64, which had 64K of memory was a big deal. My first computer was a TI-994A which had 16K of memory and a cassette drive. So you could actually like save things on a cassette. And you would hook up a cassette player to your computer, and you could. What a wild of time, dude! Well, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> it was it was weird. You know, you would program things in BASIC. You'd have to write it all out first. There would be like thousands of lines just to get a program to do the. But bare those people are the smartest stuff. people. I feel like you know they, know, they have, like, know. you have to memorize the stuff. You can't just like, well, let me Google this. It was much different. It was it was way different. You couldn't do the stuff that we're doing now. But anyways, um, all of us Gen Xers did have computers. And why the hell did I start talking about the summaries? Oh, because of social media. So now I'm learning. <laughs> <There you> <laughs> kind of losing my memory here. I, you know, I'm kind of learning about social media and how to tag people on social media. So instead of like doing the hashtags at the end, you could at people and then they're automatically tagged onto what you're doing and so their fans then can see what you've posted Welcome to 2022 I know. <laughs> it's blowing my mind i had no idea that you could do all this stuff but i'm finally doing it even like the first few weeks of doing the show and i would post the stuff i wasn't like tagging people like that and i'm just now doing that and learning all the tricks of the trade and i really feel like i need a class on all of this shit and i'm sure that there is like a youtube video out there somewhere or the problem um, is you have to be yeah. able to get to the site and i, I don't know we're gonna need to wow, help you dude. out to get <laughs> It's not that bad. You got to wait um, for your dial-up internet to get started. We're, we're getting much better at it. So so our social media, again, you can find us just about anywhere. If you have been cruising around social media over the last couple of days or following sports at all or watching ESPN like I am wont to do, uh, you have seen quite a bit 
on this Duke volleyball racist story. And I wanted to dive into this a little bit because now there's even some stuff out on John Gruden again. Um, and I think it's all kind of related and intertwined and all of that kind of stuff. So, okay, so let's let, let's explain a little bit the Duke situation. A Duke volleyball player by the name of Rachel Richardson is a sophomore, uh, plays for Duke. They traveled to BYU to take on the BYU Fighting Mormons um, or whatever they are. Wait, they're the what? They're the 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 Cougars, right? BYU Cougars. BYU Cougars. BYU Cougars. Okay, so the BYU Cougars, and there's like 5,500 people Mormons. there. Fighting Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you could have Fighting Irish and Fighting Alliance, I, I mean, you could, you know, designate a group, I guess, if you want to, the Utah Utes, um, you know, stuff like that. Um, anyways, we go to Rachel Richardson. 5,500 people in in the stands, not unlike a Badger volleyball game. So the Badgers won the national championship last year. They sell out the old field house. They get over 5,000 fans per game. I think it's in the neighborhood of six or 7,000 fans shows, show up for these games. They're actually a lot of fun. If you've never been to a college volleyball game, they are a whole heck of a lot of fun. Anyways, Rachel Richardson is black, and she's playing for Duke, and she's the only black starter on the team. I guess they have some bench players who are also black. And the accusation was that there was specifically one fan that kept shouting like racial slurs at her, including the N-word, and then some other fans that were also lobbing um, racial slurs at Rachel Richardson and the Duke bench. Um, now, if this really happened, again, this is all, all alleged, this is, this is abhorrent behavior. Uh, and I can't believe that there's a student body on earth, let alone one that doesn't drink that much hmm. and is really kind of pious that's going to go out of their way to lob racial, or racial slurs during a game when, it would be easy to out like any adult that's sitting there would be able to say, yeah, that person's using the N word. Can you remove them? You know, like I wouldn't want to sit around anybody that's throwing the N word around or any other kind of racial slur. It's not funny. Um, if anything, why wouldn't someone in the stands like I would probably be the guy that would say, hey, dude, knock it the F off or we're going to have a problem. Just because you don't do that kind of crap. Who the hell in the world is doing this? Anyways, for some reason, allegedly this didn't stop. Everybody kept lobbing racial slurs and the entire, I guess, field house is okay with it. Um, and so they targeted one guy. Duke accused one guy of doing this. He got banned for Duke events from life. And I'm now curious. there's a... Yeah, on cam or not uh, Duke, Duke, Duke events, BYU events for yeah. life. He can't go on campus to any BYU events. And so, anyways, I don't know how you don't get kicked out of the school and everything else. I mean, I mean, none of this is okay. I think they were if it happened. So now there's a report out that says this guy didn't say anything. I mean, they got video of the guy, and when he was allegedly supposed to be lobbing the most racial insults, which was in, like, uh, the second set, he wasn't even sitting there anymore. Um, I guess the guy had gotten up and was getting food and went to the bat, whatever the hell he was doing. He wasn't in that spot anymore. And that's when he said, when the Duke players said that he was in that spot. So either they identified the wrong guy or it wasn't happening at all. And I don't know what to freaking believe at this point. I well, mean, it's absolutely. Way, it doesn't like, why would you go out of the way to do, to, you know, be saying these things and not, and, and then have people not, you know, call them out. Or B, like, why would this team just make up an accusation? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I don't get it. Why the hell? I mean, would nobody say anything that's sitting there? I mean, to me, that's that's the most ridiculous part. Like, if you're going to use your investigator mind and you're going to investigate the situation, like, why didn't anybody say anything? The other thing is, is that they have, they, this was being broadcast. And so BYU has their own channel. Plus, you know, there, there was another sports station that was there or whatever. They were broadcasting this this tournament. There's microphones. All right, there are microphones that pick up just about everything, especially if it is courtside. And a lot of times they use parabolic mics or they'll use boom mics. And if you're not in the business, those are condenser type mics and condenser type mics pick up everything. Okay. But as uh, opposed to like a dynamic mic that Eric and I are using right now that only picks up the sound that's basically right in front of it and gets rid of the background noise. So it picks up everything. I would think this investigation would be pretty simple. I mean, whether or not there were racial slurs being thrown out there, you could find out pretty quickly. And then you could also pretty much identify the people that were doing it because all you'd have to do is talk to a few few fans that were around there and say, hey, did you hear this? Did you see this? Um, I would think this would be pretty simple. Am I, am I wrong on this? And, uh, and, and should I blame Jesse Smollett for thinking this way <laughs> at all God. because of his false accusations makes me put everything now through like this investigative thing in my head? I mean, I think that's kind of what you have to do, like especially when it's a, uh, I guess, a sensitive topic, which, I mean, it's really just, um, you know, it's pretty clear what the right and the wrong thing is here. Um, and if there were things being said, like you were pointing out, it should be very easy to say that this happened. But now if you look at it from the other side, how can you prove that he did not say these things? Because there's obviously nothing there that they have found so far. So uh, it, it's just like now you kind of look at it, at least it seems right now that perhaps the uh, the Duke team, you know, someone – had said something incorrectly and maybe misheard or is making something up, trying to stir up, I don't know, a story. I, I have no idea. I don't um, know. Yeah. Cause I don't get the, I wouldn't get the motivation either of Rachel Richardson exactly. making this right. up. I don't know why she would make it up. I mean, it seems, you know, uh, stupid to do if she did make it up. I mean, that's absolutely awful behavior that, that needs well, to be penalized. And unfortunately if I she have didn't, we seen find some, out who did it. some pretty terrible things from student sections, you know, even recently, um, Nothing that is outwardly like saying those words, uh, but I think they're becoming more disguised now. Like some yeah. things, I, like, I can't imagine, what like like political terms, like uh, like like let's go, Brandon is obviously like you know a politically like inclined type of phrase. It doesn't mean anything mm. on itself, but like you know those types of things are um, like okay, I understand what you're trying to do. And so that's like, well, if, if anything, I think it just mocks the idiot reporter that thought that's what the crowd was saying right, um, well. at the time of that NASCAR interview or whatever uh, the hell it was. I know it's something to do with racing. Anyways, um, also in the news, also racially related this is one. John Gruden about a year later. I mean, this is almost a year ago. He was fired in October, uh, or he, he actually he, he resigned. Yeah, he yes. resigned. He was going to get his ass canned. Um, he resigned before it happened, forced to resign. So why, why don't we say that? Back in October of last year, and that's almost a year ago. Looking at the calendar, we're talking about 11 months ago that this happened. Anyways, the emails that um, he sent out, that John Gruden sent, I don't know how you walk back. It's like trying to walk back Tom Brenneman, 
you know, calling something the F capital of the world mm-hmm. as a uh, as a slur for gays, and everybody could hear it. And I'm like, I don't know how you walk that back. I don't know what the defense is for it, except that you're a jackass. I mean, there's really no way um, to say, hey, I'm. you could say, I'm sorry, and you're still a jackass. Um, and so Gruden, now, if you don't believe me on how bad some of these comments are, so he called Roger Goodell a slur for gay people that starts with F. He also called him a clueless anti-football P-word. All right. And Assuming that rhymes with, uh, I don't know. Hussy. Hussy? Yeah, no, wait, go. is that right? Hussy? Yeah, something like that. It's spelled You know what we're way. trying to get at. Yes. Anyways, he called Joe Biden, who by at that time wasn't the president but was the vice president, a nervous, clueless P-word. He ridiculed President Obama and used things that were racially motivated, including the term rubber lips. Now, Hmm. he said rubber lips for him means liar. Now, Hmm. I don't know, man. I've been on this earth for almost 50 years. I've heard lots of slang terms and almost anything that you could think of. And I've watched every episode of South Park. You know, I, I like, think we I, need to go I, through his emails and see if he ever called a white person rubber lips, and then we'll rubber make a lips. determination. Well, he does bring it up again because he called D. Maurice Smith, who oh, was the head of the NFLPA, dumb Maurice Smith, and has the, his lips are the size of Michelin tires. So when it comes to rubber lips, I don't think he called Joe Biden rubber lips, but he did call Obama and D. Maurice Smith rubber lips. Now, he also ripped on the Washington Redskins for wanting to change their name Redskins, which, by the way, is super offensive. I I don't know how the hell they were able to keep it for as long as they did. It's not like they should go back to they they, commanders is dumb. Just be the football team. That's it. It's dumb. The the football team was actually cool. That was fine. Uh, Yeah, I I, I thought that was was generic, but it was fine. But Redskins was I mean, intrinsically racist. So, I mean, it's it was a slang word to talk badly about Native Americans. And I don't understand how the hell they were allowed to use it for as long as they did. Now, I get it. Like, like the University of Illinois has the Fighting Illini or Florida State is the Seminoles. And, you know, they, they try and, you know, the, the Chicago Blackhawks, there's still teams out there. But the, at the least Braves, it's not the like Utah a, Utes, uh, you know. Epitaph, it's not whatever. a slang term yeah. that means something bad, you know. Like we're <laughs> so I, honoring I, warriors, or like just a you know naming a tribe. Like I can get how that like you can skirt around that if some people might find it offensive, but other people don't because it's just a tribe name. But now you're talking about yeah, Redskins. Yeah, I mean it's it's like using the N word for for black people. I don't I don't get it. He mocked Caitlyn Jenner. Which, okay, is easy to do. I mean, if you watch Family Guy, uh, they were actually way ahead of this before Caitlyn Jenner became Caitlyn Jenner. They were predicting that he would become, or Bruce Jenner would become Caitlyn Jenner. Um, if you watch uh, South Park, they did like a whole season mocking Caitlyn Jenner. John Gruden did as well. Um, he was communicating and saying that he wanted Brian Glazer, who owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to essentially blow him. Um, I don't think he used it in those terms, but that's actually a nicer way to put it than how he said it. Um, He criticized the Rams and Jeff Fisher for, quote, drafting queers 
when they drafted Michael Sam. Oh, yeah. Um, again, all this stuff that John Dude, Gruden that is has hard written, to come back from. I, you know, maybe you could come back by somebody else saying, well, John Gruden said this. And you could say, well, I never said this. Dude, put it down in writing. How, <laughs> like he, so you know, like everyone should know at this point, you, if you're going to be stupid, anything stupid that you say in like in an email or online or something, it's going to get out there. So you know he had to feel pretty strongly about the things that he was feeling in his head to say those things in an email. And so there's Especially no Especially when he's in the public eye like that. But if I you mean, like I, just I get, get it. it. I, I get it if you like maybe said like one or two bad things in the course of over these six hundred thousand emails that were investigated. Um but it sounds like there was a lot more than that. So this is not just like uh we'll give him a pass because he slipped up and he was maybe emotional about something. No, the dude was like saying how he feels, the type of person he is. Yeah, I don't know how you come back from it. I mean, I'm not gonna lose any sleep over but John Gruden. I'm sure he made thing. plenty of money. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's suing the NFL for like this whole like it's it's a basically a witch hunt <sighs> yeah. to get him fired, but then at the same time he says he would like to work in football again. I tell you exactly what's gonna happen, Rich, is he is going to get another shot at football. They're going to say, all right, like if you drop the lawsuit, then, you know, maybe we'll allow Come some on. team to talk to you. That, that's what's going to happen. And he will cave to How? it. Who would hire this guy? I don't I, understand. I don't know. Eric, if, if you wrote this in an email, the school district you work for, I would, would never get a job you. in the school district you, again. You, that, you, that'd be it. I mean, you, you'd be, it's over. If I did that, I'm never getting another job. Um, at least not in anything that would have to do with broadcasting or podcasting or anything like that. It would be over. Um, that's how this works because there, there isn't a way to bring this back, especially if you write it down. I, I hope that's not right. Um, and, and the reason why we, we end up calling this out, because again, I'm not going to lose sleep over, over John Gruden at all, but we, we call this stuff out because on the show, we like to call bullshit on things. All right. And it often translates into plant based eating or, or stuff like that. We like to call crap out when we see it and when we smell it. And I'm calling. John Gruden out. I'm not. I'm not buying this this apology for anything, and nobody should ever hire him again. Oh, no. So you're saying your your bold prediction, Eric Rogers. Bold prediction is lawsuit gets dropped. John Gruden's back in football. I mean, it's if it's not the NFL, it'll oh. be the USFL. Oh my goodness, man. Oh my goodness. How could like 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 working for a team? I mean, if he's working for a team, what black player is going to want to play for this guy? Well, Deshaun Watson's still able to play. So, wow. I mean, I don't put anything wild past this mess. league. Yeah, wild mess. I guess I guess I could be right. But I just, I, wow. I mean, it's shocking stuff. Anyways, uh, guest time coming up next on the podcast. So stick around. We got that in Sarah's News right after this. All right. If you have ever wanted to show off your plant-based lifestyle and to do it in style, here is your chance. We have some of the most amazing t-shirts, hats, accessories, coffee mugs, and more at shop.realmeneatplants.com. We have statement t-shirts that will bring a smile to everyone's face. Personally, I love the I Want Tofu Tonight tea. Plus, we have podcast teas, real women eat plants gear, real kids eat plants, and real people eat plants, just in case men, women, and kids didn't cover it all. Yeah, we love you, and we love that you want to show off that healthy lifestyle of yours. Again, check out our high-quality gear at shop.realmeneatplants.com and enjoy. Welcome to Sheilor Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat and enjoy. 
Everyone has a story that's built on thousands of hows, whys, and whats. Join myself, Chris Sheeler, as I dive into how people live their lives, why they do what they do, and what goes through their mind while they do it. If you love learning and what makes people tick, my podcast, Sheeler Select, has you covered. New episodes every Monday. Find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or just anywhere you get a podcast. All right, time to bring in our guest now. He is a physician, a vegan health educator, conference and event speaker, and an author of articles and books of vegan medical advice. He has practiced acute medical care, certified in urgent care medicine, and has been a vegan since 1981. Oh, by the way, also a Jeopardy champion and has appeared in such films as Cowspiracy, Seaspiracy, and What the Health. Please welcome to the podcast, Dr. Michael Clapper. Uh, Doc, we are so excited. Yeah, there's there's the clapping right there for for Clapper. And thank you so much for, for coming on. I'm so excited to have you on, especially because, um, and you might not know this, we're actually doing our show from behind the Cheddar Curtain in Wisconsin. And you have kind of some history with that growing up on a dairy farm. And I've always been interested. And from the time, you know, that I've seen you in movies, it's like, okay, how did a guy growing up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin revolt against that? Because there's so much peer pressure to eat cheese curds and eat ice cream and go to Culver's and all of this kind of stuff. But you eschewed all that and went your own way. How did that all come about, Doc? Well, as you say, I grew up eating these standard American diets uh, until my uh, mid-30s, and I assumed that uh, milk and cheese and all that were a good source of protein and calcium and all of that stuff. Uh, But uh, medical school grounded me in the basics of of nutrition, Uh, and so I had an understanding that uh, plants are really the ultimate source of all these nutrients. But very importantly, I was on the cardiovascular anesthesia service in Vancouver. I was going to be an anesthesiologist. Uh, and I was on the cardiovascular anesthesia service. And that's the one uh, dealing with people's uh, blood vessels. And day after day, I'm putting people to sleep and, uh, and <clears throat> opening up and watching surgeons open up their coronary arteries in their heart and pulling this yellow greasy guck out of their arteries called atherosclerosis that are that causes the heart attacks and strokes, etc. And my dad died of clogged arteries, and I knew that I've got those genes. And there were already studies in the medical literature showing that this atherosclerotic cholesterol-laden plaque can be melted away with a plant-based diet. Uh, so I was getting lots of messages to uh, uh, to change to a plant-based diet before I was lying on that operating table with that striker saw going up my sternum. I sure didn't want that to happen. <laughs> and consequently, um, I changed to a plant-based diet. Well, my body loved it. Within 12 weeks, a 20-pound spare tire of fat melted off my waist. My high blood pressure went to normal. My high cholesterol went to normal. I felt great waking up in a nice, lean body every day. And at that point, you know, once you look behind the curtain, you can't pretend you don't know what's behind the curtain. And I had left general practice after six years getting so frustrated that... uh, 
all my patients were just getting fatter and sicker and getting strokes and heart attacks. I didn't know what to tell them. That's why I ran into anesthesia uh, and I uh, thought there would be salvation there. But the truth finds you wherever you are. And after I had this uh, experience and this revelation, I knew I didn't want to be an anesthesiologist, uh, as noble as that profession is, but I didn't want to spend my time putting people to sleep for the rest of my career. I'd rather go back to general practice and help and wake up. And uh, so I did, much to my parents' dismay, as I left my anesthesia residency with six months to go of my training. But it wasn't in truth for me to do that. And I became a plant-based physician, and soon my patients were experiencing the same benefits. The high blood pressure patients, you get them off their medicine because their blood pressure is normal. My diabetic patients had normal blood sugars. They got them off their insulin. And... I turned into the happiest doctor I know. My patients get healthy uh, right before my eyes. And so uh, it's, just, it's just basic science. But at that point, and, and it's been very evident that the meat and the dairy industries, the Department of Agriculture, uh, all these folks are in, are in existence to keep people buying their products, even though they may not be healthy for them. And so it was pretty easy to walk away from the uh, from my dairy heritage. We. We are not, uh, I, I tell my patients uh, who are eating dairy, go look in the mirror. You got big ears and a snout and whiskers and are you a baby calf? If you're not a baby calf, now if you are, great, enjoy your milk. Though. If you're not a baby calf, don't be eating baby calf growth fluid. You know, that's what this stuff is and it promotes growth of all sorts of tissues you don't want to promote growth in. So all the way around, um, it was time to leave the, uh, leave the dairy in, in the dairy case there. And it's getting so much easier today. There's so many great non-dairy substitutes to put on your sandwich and on your salads. Uh, there's really no need for that archaic industry, and we'd be better off without it. Truth is, the dairy farmers should do something else with their land. Well, that was going to be the the next question that I had. You know, Doctor Michael Clapper here on the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. Uh, you know, looking at you know from your history of growing up on a dairy farm, how do you look back on that industry now as as an adult and someone who's um, you know kind of seen the the data and the evidence? Oh my! I mean, that's such a powerful question. The answer is so powerful. Um, and that one of the earliest memories I have, I spent my first sixteen summers at my uncle's dairy farm. Uh, and when I was a little kid, five, six years old, I remember these plaintive calls coming from the dairy barn. Uh, they'd go on for hours after I didn't know what was happening. Well, what was happening was that a mother cow just had a baby calf. Uh, and the, the calf wants to suckle on the mother's udder. But that's stealing money from my uncle uh, who wants to sell that milk to the dairy. So within 48 hours, uh, the, the baby calf is scooped up and put into the veal pen 10 yards away from the mother in the barn. Uh, and, and the mother's locked up in the stanchion, so she can't approach the, you know, the, the calf. And hour after hour, she bellows the most heart-rending, soul-tearing calls of a, of a mother wanting to get to her child to nurse it. And, I'm, and this is, there is no creating dairy products without this inherent cruelty. The dairy industry is an inherently cruel uh, industry in, in many reasons, and this is the first act of cruelty. Every calf must be taken away from its mother, and all those cows in dairy barn are new mothers with tears coming down their cheeks. You can really see it because they've all had their babies taken away from them. But to those folks who think that 
uh, that, well, you don't have to kill the cow to get the milk. Yes, you do. No dairy cow dies of old age. The, within five years of calves and, and milk, uh, the milk production goes down. They are now a drain on the bottom line of the dairy producer. And so the, uh, the cows loaded onto the slaughter truck, taken to the slaughterhouse and shot in the head and, uh, and the flesh stripped from its bones and turned into ground beef. Most of the fast food burgers are ground up old dairy cows. And the, and the truth is that the dairy barn is a short stopping off place on the way to the slaughterhouse. But the dairy industry is a slaughter industry. Even the little calves, all little male calves, they'll never give milk. They're of no real use to the dairy men. So uh, uh, at 16 weeks, um, they have their throat cut and turn into milk-fed veal. The, the veal industry is an, is an absolutely essential offshoot of the dairy industry. They're just, it's a bloody industry. They're from taking the calves away from the mothers, uh, slaughtering the calves, slaughtering the mothers. Uh, and it's a special affront against the females of the species. This is the forced insemination to make these cows pregnant, uh, the taking away of their babies, the, uh, uh, the, the hormones that they're injected with. Uh, and, and it's the women buying so much dairy for their calcium, for their bones, you know, to prevent osteoporosis. And they don't realize that every time they... They put that container of Greek yogurt or cheddar cheese in their shopping basket. Um, they're paying for uh, take another calf away from their mother to kill another one of these beautiful innocent dairy cows. Uh, it, it's a bloody industry that's an affront to the female of all species, and we really shouldn't be supporting. And it's it's, it's archaic from the from the Middle Ages. You know, you know then, Doc, just to, by to follow up on some that new mo- yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, just to, just to follow up on that a, a little bit, yeah, you, you talk about yeah. all these horrors, and, and you're absolutely right uh, about the dairy industry. My question is always like, why aren't we taught this at an early age? Why instead are the images that we have of dairy farms of laughing cows and sassy cows? By the way, that's like the name of two dairies right near here, and you see these pictures of, of these happy, smiling cows, and everything's wonderful. When when the other thing, the opposite thing is really going on, why are we not taught that? Why are kids not taught that in schools. Are, my first response: Are you kidding? I mean, the, the dairy industry doesn't want you to see this; doesn't want the public to know this. No, you know, like Paul McCartney said, if slaughterhouses had glass walls, you'd all be vegetarians. The meat industry doesn't want you to know what goes on in the production of chicken meat, pig meat, beef. Uh, and dairy, these are slaughter industries, and it's grotesque and cruel. And, uh, and but the you've got these mega the uh, industrial uh, conglomerates uh, in the in the Department of Agriculture and in the meat and dairy industries with with multi billion dollar advertising budgets. You bet they're going to deceive the public with their advertising. Uh, don't look, don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain, you know, like in The Wizard of Oz. Well, don't pay any attention to the guy with the knife uh, behind the curtain there and those screams you're hearing coming from behind the curtain. No, don't worry about that. Just, you just eat your yogurt. Just eat your cheese. You need the calcium. And yeah, which and, say, and people will say that because they'll, no, they'll say that to me. Well, where are you going to get your protein? Your where do you get your calcium? Yeah, and it's like right. I ask, you know, where do you get your right. fiber? Um, because I, I don't understand the question. Exactly. And you get your calcium from the same place cows get their calcium. Right? When you think about it, cows don't drink milk. Where do they get, where do they get the calcium? 
They get it from the green plants they eat. That's where it comes from. The, the calcium is a soil mineral it's in the soil. The green plants take it up. And the cow consumes it in the, in the greens that she eats. And so should we. And that's why you want big helpings of kale and chard and broccoli and Brussels sprouts every day on your plate. Uh, that's where not only your fiber is, but certainly calcium, magnesium, vitamin K. So many good things come from dark green vegetables. Um, so uh, there's... We have no more need for the milk of a cow than we do the milk of a giraffe. Uh, you know, I said, would you pour rat milk on your cereal? How about dog milk? You know, uh, why do we think that cow milk is somehow sacred and healthy? It's not. It's, it's baby calf growth fluid, and it's filled with hormones. Uh, the, the, the cows are all pregnant now, uh, which is really sad. The, uh, if I have time to go into this, the, on my uncle's dairy farm in the 50s, um, when a cow uh, became fertile, they'd lock her up in the stanchion and call the badger breeder guy, ran that tube of bull semen into her uterus, and, and, and she would conceive, carry that calf for nine months, just like a human mother does. And if she had been giving milk, she'd dry up. Pregnant mammals don't lactate. There's a good biological reason for that. And my uncle just had to accept that. He'd pull out his notebook, uh, bossy number 16, won't give milk till the spring till she has her calf, and they recorded the date. Well, that's in the 1950s. We had 49 cows. In today's modern dairy industries, they're milking 1,000, 1,500 cows twice a day. They can't afford to have their best milkers go offline for nine months while they're carrying their calves. So now they've genetically modified the cow to science to the rescue. And now today's modern dairy cows will give milk even though they're pregnant with their next calf. Uh, and so they're carrying their next calf. Well, a pregnant mammal is full of estrogens, and it gets into all her tissues, including the milk. And so today's dairy products are made from the milk of pregnant cows, and they're full of, of estrogens. These are active, estrone, estradiol, estriol, pregnandiol, progesterone. These are not the puny little soy-based phytoestrogen. These are official mammalian estrogens. And, and our little girls are going through puberty at age eight and nine. The, the more dairy a boy eats, the more cheese a boy eats, the higher his risk of prostate cancer when he's an adult. Um, it's toxic stuff. And, and uh, there are bovine leukemia viruses in the milk. Uh, uh, there's pus in the milk. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's not, I don't know how you can look at it as healthy. Uh, there's so many other ways to get your calcium and get your protein. You know, we should, uh, uh, we should move the dairy off our plate. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, Dr. Clapper, that's a great, I think, transition to maybe a little bit of a lighter uh, conversation for those who maybe are, uh, you know, kind of tuning in for the first time to this podcast. But, you know, and you're, you're a man who's got a, a huge story outside of even just the, 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 the um, you know, dairy conversation that we had. So uh, in 1987, the, the Jeopardy winner. So I, I want to kind of get into that topic. So if you would uh, kind of go into that experience, tell us what that was like. Oh, uh, well, uh, a friend had, uh, had entered a contest where you, the prize was a tryout with, the, with Jeopardy. They were in town in Tampa. And, uh, and so he won it. Uh, but he picked up the phone and he called me and says, I'd like to give this to you. Uh, and so I said, okay. And so I, uh, I showed up at the tryout, uh, and they give you, they give you 50 questions you have to answer in three minutes, I think. And, uh, the top 10 of them would be given, uh, Jeopardy-like interviews. And I happened to get all those questions right. 
And so uh, they did a little, they took you backstage, and there was a camera there to see how you'd look on TV, uh, and did a, uh, uh, did a, played a little Jeopardy around there, and they said, don't call us, we'll call you. Uh, and sure enough, about the end of November, about four months later, the phone rings, you've been selected, uh, come to Los Angeles, and you'll be on Jeopardy. Four and, months. Uh, so I showed up there, and... Uh, uh, it was challenging. Uh, there were some really smart folks there, but I was able to, uh, I won two games. I lost on the third, uh, and uh, uh, it was a lovely experience. I'm glad I got to do that. And I, uh, uh, I won, uh, I got $11,000. I got a, the Freezer as a Constellation Prize and the Lee Press-On Nails. I got a year's supply of those as well. And uh, that, that was the best part of the, uh, of the experience. That was a game show standard, I think, in the 1980s. The Lee Press on That is definitely an experience. Yeah, uh, they, they popped up on Prices Right all the time and all that other good stuff. You know, you, you got camera time as well in on, on some of those movies that I mentioned, like Cowspiracy, Seaspiracy, What the Health, and really memorable stuff. Um, you know, one of the things that I remember you saying, too, is, you know, it's the food. And, you know, you, you, you kind of make it a real emphasis. And um, I, I, I want to know first, before we get to the it's the food line, how did you get involved with, with with making movies like that? How does how does someone reach out to you? And and is it something that you kind of embraced, or was something that you looked at originally and be like, I don't uh, know, I'm kind of nervous right. about no, this? No, just the opposite. Yeah, no, just the opposite. I was working at uh, True North Health Center in Santa Rosa, California, doing nutritional medicine, seeing how plant based diets reverse all these diseases. Uh, and I get a call one day from the young man says, we're, we're doing a movie um, and uh, we'd like to come and interview you. I had no idea who they were. It turned out to be Keegan Kuhn and Kip Anderson uh, that were the producers of Cowspiracy. I had no idea who they were. And they came one day to the clinic and set up their cameras and they asked me some questions, um, especially about dairy, actually. And uh, and we had lovely young men and shook hands and they left and that was the end of it. I had no idea what they're going to do with it. <laughs> and uh, about a year later, I get a call. Do you know that you're in a film that seems to be pretty good? And it turned out to be Cowspiracy and uh, uh, made a big impact. And about a year after that, uh, Kip calls me again saying we're doing another one. And it was, they're, they're just so right on. And in uh, the way they frame the context, the, uh, the, uh, the thrust of cowspiracy was that if large-scale industrial agriculture is the driving force of all these environmental disasters we face, uh, deforestation and, uh, and soil erosion, water pollution, water depletion, it's all being driven by our lust for flesh and the animal agricultural industry that has spawned from that. Why aren't the environmental organizations saying anything about this? They, they don't want to talk about that, about the meat connection. And um, so good for them for bringing that out. Well, it turns out, what the hell, turns out is asking the same question about the medical profession. If, if a meat-based diet is driving all the clogged arteries and hypertension and uh, diabetes and obesity, why aren't the doctors saying anything about this? And, uh, and yes, that's exactly the question to ask. And the two, along those lines, that's one reason we started our Moving Medicine Forward initiative. For the uh, reason 
this must occur to you as me. Why don't why aren't we aren't we taught this in medical school? Why didn't somebody tell me that these were reversible diseases? All I was taught you must control your patient's blood pressure. You must control your you know, manage your patient's diabetes. Nobody ever said, Would you like to make these diseases go away? Do you know type two diabetes will go we can be reversed, hypertension can be reversed, obesity can be reversed. Why didn't someone tell me about this? And so uh, I've been going around to the medical schools as part of our Moving Medicine Forward initiative, doing that very thing, talking to the first, second, and third year medical students and saying, before you order another $1,000 scan, another $500 set of blood tests, ask your patient what they ate yesterday, because that's why they're sitting in front of you, doctor, obese and hypertensive and diabetic and clogged up and inflamed from what they're running through their bloodstream every four hours with the burgers and the buffalo wings and the pepperoni peaches. Uh, the American diet has become toxic. Send the patient to the plant-based dietitian. Let her do the counseling. You see them back in a month and see if they're not leaner and healthier. That's how medicine should be practiced in the 21st century. Why didn't someone tell me this? But we're telling it now to the students, and they are so appreciative. And one reason is because in every first, second, third year medical school now, and I've spoken to uh, dozens and dozens of them across the country, in all those classes, there's now 20 or 30 students who've seen films like What the Health and Forks Over Knives and Cowspiracy, the lights on in these young, young students' heads, and that's so encouraging. And uh, there's always some professors sitting in the back of the room saying, oh, this is too extreme, too radical. But the students know, uh, many of them are vegan themselves already. So, um, so it's very hopeful, but I got to keep slogging away at the coal face there, lecture after lecture. So people would like to uh, see the, I made a video of my lecture called What I Wish I Learned in Medical School About Nutrition. It's on my website, drclapper.com. Just click on our Moving Medicine Forward uh, link, and uh, you can see the message I'm delivering to the med students. And it's, I think, the most important message in medicine today. Yeah, and I love that message, and I'm glad that you're doing something like that. Aware. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it, it's kind of yeah. funny if you watch Conspiracy and then What the Health After, you kind of see Keegan's journey um, where he thinks that he's starting as a healthy person and he's recycling and taking shorter showers and he thinks he's eating healthy to by the end of What the Health, I mean, he's full on vegan. You know, at the end of Conspiracy, he's saving a chicken rather than wanting to eat one. And by the end of What the Health, you know, he's he's almost like, you know, full on vegan. And, um, you know, I, I kind of like watching that path. And I'm guessing in in your teachings, your lectures, uh, and what you're doing, are you finding similar paths of people? Are, are you starting to see like that, that tide kind of turn? I mean, I, I love that, that you're talking about medical students now that are kind of getting that, you know, and, and some of that nutrition-based uh, education. But are, are you starting to see that a little bit more? Are we starting to see the tide turn? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the tide is starting to turn. The, I, the, every time I give one of these lectures, and I'm at the University of Washington, uh, the University of, of uh, Colorado, and I was at Harvard, and the uh, University of Buffalo, all over the country, in fact, around the world, I've lectured in uh, Australia and New Zealand and in Europe, uh, in Poland and Lithuania, and, and they're all waking up. You know, we're all interconnected now, and they're all waking up to the plant-based message. Uh, and... It, the uh, 
because uh, they, they want the tools to reverse disease. When you're a young med student, man, what do I need to, to clear that pneumonia and, and uh, control that diabetes? Well, this puts the most powerful tool of all in their hands. Uh, it's, it's the food, you know, what the patients are eating. And once they get that, oh, a whole new world and, and a whole new empowerment happens in these young uh, minds. And uh, and I get nice words. We're open to all health professionals. The, the dentists need to know about this. The nurses, the pharmacists, the physical therapists, they're all dealing with patients with diet-related diseases. And, and if they can all start helping their patients evolve to plant-based diets, we'll become a healthier um, a healthier nation by far. And uh, we're trying to create a generation of nutritionally aware uh, doctors uh, who always ask, by the way, how's your diet these days? What are you eating? Take me through yesterday's eating day. How wonderful if every doctor asked that of their patients on every visit. So that's what we're trying to create, and the students are very open to it. They, they know something's up. It's, it's not 1950 anymore, thank heavens. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, Doc, talk a little bit, if you could, um, you know, you, you mentioned some of the stuff you're doing, the master class in plant-based clinical nutrition, um, the, the website. How can people get involved if they, if they want to learn from you, if they, if they would like to take part in some of these classes uh, and, and what you do? How do they get involved? Sorry, you're cutting out here, Rich. I'm not oh, I, I, I apologize. Yeah, I was just talking about the, 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 the master class that you do, the lectures that you do, stuff like that. How can people get involved? If someone says, hey, I want to catch one of these. Yeah, I think we may have, oh, we may have lost Rich okay. there for a second here. Um, I'm not sure where he wanted to go with that, Doc. So sure. I'll just, I'll just okay. kind of dive in with, a, with another thought. Hey, Rich is, Rich is back. Yeah, you have sorry a about that. And I guess I can edit this out a little bit later. <laughs> but um, that's, okay. that's the good thing about taping these things in advance. Um, so I, I was asking more yeah, like, yeah. like about the, the master class you do, the lectures that you do. Um, if people would like to get involved, if All they right. would like to be a part of it, if they would like to learn from you, Doc, how do they go about doing that? Is it just as simple as going to your website? Uh, how, you. how can they take part? Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, in furthering the, my desire to reach, especially my fellow health professionals, uh, I said, you know, if I had them all in an auditorium, especially young med students, uh, here's how a plant-based diet affects the cardiovascular system. Here's how it affects the GI system. Here's what to do with your colitis patients, your Crohn's patients, uh, with your diabetes patients. So we did a series of master classes uh, for a largely a, a health professional audience, though we give lots of the lay public that's been taking them. Uh, and we've had very nice comments on it. If people are interested, Again, go to my website, drclapper.com. You'll, you'll see it in the notes here, and it's all spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R-K-L-A-P-E-R.com. Uh, and you will see, uh, on the landing page, you'll see Masterclass in Plant-Based Nutrition. Just click on that, uh, and you can see, uh, you can take the entire uh, 12 uh, lecture series, uh, or you can just take individual ones. Uh, they each last about 90 minutes. And uh, so I invite people to participate in that. Uh, and if you wanted to know what we're doing in our Moving Medicine Forward initiative, click on Moving Medicine Forward. You'll see uh, where, where we're going, what we're doing, uh, and how people can help. We are uh, supported by donations, and uh, all help would be accepted. You're uh, uh, gratefully accepted. You're contributing to uh, create a new a nutritionally aware medical profession, which is so sorely needed. It's an investment in all our health. 
Terrific stuff. Doc, we thank you so much for being on. Dr. Michael Clapper, and we'd love to have you back sometime as well again. So thank you so much, Doc. Oh, it's a, pl- a privilege. And it's so let me just say what important service you are performing. You know, we, we've got the, the sciences in here. Then what's needed now is education, is, is encouragement of the public, is enlightenment public. And you are the crucial 100%. link to that. This, you're, this is a powerful form of medicine we're all practicing today. It's an honor uh, and, uh, and a delight to, to work with you. So thank you very much for the opportunity. Keep up your great work. Thank you. We're trying our best. Dr. Michael Clapper, thank you. All right, here at the Real Men E-Plants Podcast, we need your help. Yeah, and so does Paul's Party. Being a brand new podcast, just trying to get its footing, we are asking that you help support our podcast by going to our podcast page at realmenieplants.com slash podcast and click the support button. Now, when you do, not only are you helping us get our feet on the ground, you are supporting Paul's Party, a 501.C charity that raises money to help kids with physical disabilities get equipment to have some actual fun fun in their lives yeah two great causes one easy support button again please find us at realmeneatplants.com slash podcast or on patreon when you type real men eat plants into the search bar thanks for your support and also for helping paul's party she's a mom with vegetables she's so delectable the cows and pigs she set them free can't you see she's a hot chickpea veggie stew just for you sit on down there's these are two Loving this time of the day, every day that I get to talk to Sarah Carlson puts a smile on my face, and it should yours too, as she is here to deliver all the news that is fit not to print, but to put into podcast form. Welcome in, Sarah Carlson. Sarah, take it away. Oh, thank you, Rich. Well, we have the vegan food news of the week. This is the big one. I love it. Love it, love it. It's from vegnews.com. First, one of my favorites. It's going to be a dairy-free version of Cheese its so Oh, yeah. Called, the company is called Mary's Gone Crackers. Mary's, like it belongs to Mary, Gone Crackers. They're yeah. unveiling Cheesy with a Z. So C-H-E-E-Z-E-E. It's a okay. cheesy bland, plant-based crackers. It's never easy to say. Yeah, say um, that fast. They'll be available times. in cheddar and cheese and herb flavors and reminiscent of the popular Cheez-Its without any dairy. Are you a Cheez-It fan? No dairy. I, I, I used to be, you know, before I stopped dairying. In fact, I'm actually wearing one of my um, Switch for Good t-shirts here. It says, <laughs> got pus, milk does. Um, so I, I get a lot of looks around Wisconsin when I'm wearing this shirt, but, um, yeah, I, I used to love Cheez-Its and there are like, there's some good vegan snacks out there, um, that are, you know, again, none of these are all that healthy for you. And then there's some that aren't good. Like as far as like taste wise goes, I will, I will do this. And I, I, we usually don't do a whole lot of product endorsements here, but vegan Rob's is a brand and you could find them just about everywhere. And they make like these. 
So just vegan and then R-O-B apostrophe S, I think. Or, okay. oh no, just, yeah, and maybe that is. I think it's a, there's an apostrophe. It's Vegan Rob's, and Vegan Rob's makes, like, these sorghum puffs. Uh, you know, I don't really know what sorghum looks like or <laughs> probably not even what it tastes like, but they're, they're, they're sorghum puffs that have, like, a vegan cheese on them, and they're reminiscent of, like, Cheetos puffs. Oh, and yeah. They are freaking delicious. I mean, they are well, finger licking it. good to the point where you're you're licking that that cheese stuff. It's not cheese, obviously, but whatever it is that he has on there afterwards, <laughs> and um, I love it. So vegan Rob's is good. So I'll be willing to give Mary's Gone Crackers Cheez Its a try here because yeah, sometimes I'm jonesing for Cheez Its and do miss them. Yeah, I'm going to start ordering some of these things online. I'm too too desperate to, to find them. So also right. in the vegan news headlines is. I never know how to pronounce it. Is it Banza or Banza? The Chicagoan in me wants to say Banza, but the chickpea-based yeah, pasta. Yeah, I thought it was Banza, but like I think garbanzo, it's Banzo. Like like this garbanzo is you, This beans. is where you know where I'm from when I say Banza. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Banza is making vegan pizzas. Apparently, um, mm -hmm. I read the headline and then I read the story. It's a plant-based cheese pizza with a chickpea crust. Now, it sounds delicious. I'll try it. I'll take it. Talking about something like a, a, a special pizza kit that's $50 for two kits. And I went, oh, wow. huh? So you might want to just uh, Google Bonza and click around or see what you can find. I'm not sure that's coming out yet, nor do I have it in my budget to spend 50 bucks? But if you want to no, get a No, not, not on a pizza, healthy. but yeah. So I'm guessing it's bonza because it's garbanzo beans. And yeah. garbanzo beans is another name for chickpeas. Yes. And chickpeas, though, are absolutely wonderful. I mean, not only are they really good for you, they're super versatile. And if you buy them in the can... First of all, you want to get like the low sodium ones. Second of all, don't throw the water away that's in the can. So the water that you get from chickpeas is called aquafaba. And with huh. aquafaba, you can make all kinds of cool things, including like meringues and whipped creams and stuff like that. Seriously, really? you just start whipping it. You can even make like egg white omelets out of aquafaba, and it's super healthy for you, super good, no cholesterol, lots Shoot. of protein, all of that kind you're of good stuff. About the, so, you're talking about what's left in the can. Correct. Chickpeas, so, right? so the water, so you know, like how normally you would take yes. like a can of beans and you would just dump all the water out, like, you know, of uh, pinto beans or any other kind of beans that, yeah. that, that you would have. Don't do it with chickpeas. So that's aquafaba. Oh my gosh. I, had, seriously, I followed a recipe yesterday for, uh, I made curried chickpeas again. It's become mm -hmm. a favorite in the house and it calls for draining and rinsing. <laughs> So yep. I, all of my which, which you still want to do, but you want to keep that aquafaba. Seriously, it is so good um, and so versatile. And if you ever look up like aquafaba recipes, you will find some amazing things. And all of a sudden, you're like cooking egg white omelets, or you're you're cooking something that requires whipped cream at like pennies on on the freaking dollar. I mean, it's so cheap because so many people think that you know, oh, eating vegan is so expensive. It's expensive. If you're only eating all the replacement stuff, so meat replacement, cheese replacement, like the stuff that's already prefabricated, if you cook yourself, it's dirt cheap. 
I mean, huh. beans are so versatile and so easy to use and pack power. I mean, pennies to the punch for um, for all your beans with all the uh, nutrition that you get from beans. Nothing can beat it as far as um, dollar-wise as, as what you can actually get. And that so will inspire save that me aquafaba. next time. I make that recipe, save it, and, and look up a recipe for something different. Or you Definitely can give it to me. Definitely save so, it, yes. Speaking of, speaking of, there's pizza because now i'm hungry for pizza at whatever pizza. hour we are doing this <laughs> well, well, people company, think too, yeah you, you know, kitchen. hold on sarah you know people think that you got to give up pizza and i've had this argument with with people i eat pizza all the time but now i'm just eating it with like you know whole grain crusts and you know sometimes i'll sprinkle a little like vegan mozzarella on there otherwise it's just full of vegetables and it's awesome like it's so yeah. full of flavor there is so oh, many you know ways what? to enjoy pizza ever yeah ever love it so have you heard Love. of this company? It's a vegan company, Wicked Kitchen? Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. So they're launching, and this is going to be exciting, three plant-based frozen pizzas. The vegan chefs, they're brothers from the UK, serving up the three, their Wicked Meaty Pizza, Saucy Moths Pizza, and Rule-Breaking Rustic Veg Pizza. So when you describe what your pizzas look like, man, if I could pick one of those up in the frozen section when I know I don't have time absolutely awesome yeah well see awesome. my, my son kind of got under my skin last night so he goes and he <laughs> you know he had like his normal days working out and he was hitting and you know he had to go work with the uh with, with the pt guy and stuff like that he's still rehabbing his knee and all of that and anyways he comes home and i'm like joey let me cook for you all right and i was making vegan pizza and he's like, no, I'm just going to pop that frozen pizza, you know, in the oven. I'm like, no, dude, let me make it from scratch. Like he usually devours the pizza that that, that I make. I'm like, huh. listen, you know, I'm going to do spinach. We got tomatoes fresh out of the garden, got some peppers straight out of the garden. I've grown these awesome green peppers and serranos mm. and stuff like that. And the tomatoes have come in beautifully. And what did he do while I was making this pizza? Unbeknownst to me. Yeah, he popped in the frozen pizza behind my back wow. and, <laughs> I'm so and devoured the whole thing. And I'm like, kid, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I know. And I've had a taste for pizza for probably three days. Haven't done it because I've, I'm not vegan yet, Rich, but I'm yep, kind of I having know. this like, you know, I'm trying to lean that way. And so I haven't gone for pizza and I would have eaten that pizza. All right. Absolutely. So good. So finally, in the food section, because we've got a lot of news to get to. I know mm. we were talking about eating raw cookie dough the other day. Yes. Which is gross. The grossest. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out there's a vegan cookie dough bar being served as an option to American Airlines passengers in first class. It's made by Woda. I love that. Um, it's easy to find at woda.com because I went Look, looked it up right away, which is w h o a do d o u g h dot com. They're serving it to first class passengers. How about it? Yeah, you know, I actually have a recipe, and maybe you would want this made out of chickpeas, and it is though it's it tastes like cookie dough. And it's oh. a chickpea center. Um, and the cool thing about it is it's not raw cookie dough. It's not like there's raw eggs in there, raw milk or anything like that. It's all stuff that right. you can eat. Really simple and really healthy for you. And it's made out of chickpeas and it's wonderful. It actually tastes great. Uh, please, yes. Send more yes. recipes. <laughs> <laughs> I need to put that in the back of my mind. Text Rich later. Okay. Yeah. Moving on from food. I've got, although sort of food related, this one's been in the headlines cracking me up and a lot of other people. Harry Styles 
found an mm -hmm. interesting new way to show his opposition to eating animal-based foods. A fan threw a chicken nugget at him on stage. So it happened recently at Madison Square Garden in New York, and they actually encouraged him to eat it. He must have heard them saying, eat it, eat it, eat it. And instead, he said, who threw the chicken nugget? I don't eat chicken. And then Harry Styles throws it back into the crowd. <laughs> Hopefully no injuries so nobody can sue. Now, okay. he's one of the celebrities who doesn't say he's vegan, but has revealed in other interviews that he certainly is. Full, um, I don't full know disclosure here. Yeah, because I'm, I'm not going to play along without telling you that I have no idea who Harry Styles is. Oh, oh, Harry Styles is a really uh, famous current top pop artist. Uh, okay, that's probably yeah. why I don't know who he is. <laughs> really great. A couple of really top, great top hits. You've probably heard the songs here mm -hmm. and there because they've been around a while. Um, okay. I don't know his full albums either myself, but I'm a fan. He's, he's a cool young kid. Yeah, he's um, actually, but, so I'm guessing it's stuff that, like, you know, regular kids would listen to. My daughter, who is starting high school yeah. today and is just 14 years old, she listens to stuff like Fleetwood Mac and Queen and David <laughs> Bowie, and then she'll, like, delve into Nirvana and Metallica. Like, she... It, it, her music taste like kind of stopped at 1992, even though she was born, you know, like in 2008, you know, she, she doesn't follow the trends that all the other kids are doing. Now I love it because I could talk music with my daughter. Yeah. Um, so, and then, and then my son definitely doesn't listen to any pop. It's either, it's either hardcore like rock or it's hardcore rap and there's nothing yeah. in between. And I shouldn't, I don't know if I can call him like, pop but he's just you know top 10 singer he that sings. seems like it's pop not, yeah i would i would yeah. classify that as um, pop. but one finally because i've got one more story to get to but, yes man uh harry styles actually during an npr interview I, I decided to look him up a little bit more revealed that he's a big fan of the green bay packers and lambeau field Oh my Which, goodness. if you saw this kid you need to look him up now and i can call him a kid i'm pretty sure um you're going to die laughing. He's just okay. kind of those super trendy, um, I don't know. The fact that he loves Lambo and Green Bay is sort of like, huh? Doesn't go are you saying Lambo Field and the Green Bay Packers are not trendy? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Not, not for a guy like him. No. I actually agree with you on yeah. that, yes. So now, uh, finally in news today, a new documentary is being released. I'm hoping you've heard of this so cool, called Why on Earth? featuring 92-year-old Clint Eastwood. This is focused on why plant-based eating is critical for the planet. The film is created by an animal rights advocate and filmmaker who he must have known. Mm -hmm. So they traveled across five countries to look at how, sadly, humans have destroyed the animal habitats and are ultimately destroying themselves in many ways. So Why on Earth looks at deforestation for palm oil production, poaching, sharking, finning, and then, of course, animal agriculture. 92-year-old Clint Eastwood. Wow. Going good, good for him. And I love those movies, by the way. So my top three recommendations for vegan movies. Okay, so here we go. Number three on that list would be Kiss the Ground. It actually stars Woody Harrelson. 
and they explain all about like over tilling, um, animal agriculture, um, what it's doing to the environment, uh, carbon sequestration, um, biodiversity, all that kind of stuff. Love it. Um, and Woody Harrelson, a big, huge vegan advocate. Um, as well. So I love him. Number two on the list, Forks Over Knives, which is like the granddaddy of them all, the classic one that started everything and also where we got the name of our podcast from. Um, So in that movie, Rip Esselstyn, who was a firefighter at the time, actually went up the pole, the fire pole, and every time he moved his hands, said, real men eat plants, real men eat plants all the way up the pole. And so, but Forks Over Knives definitely explains all of the health benefits of going to a whole food plant-based diet. And then number one on my list is the Game Changers. You should definitely check that out. It is testosterone fueled. It also has like many of the people that we have had on our program as well. Uh, Dotsie Bausch, who by the way is super fierce um, in there. Dr. Kim Williams, uh, you know, Dr. Michael Clapper was on uh, Forks Over Knives. Check them all out because those those top three will really get you pumped up to be plant based and vegan. So yep, um, and I hopefully should tell this you one's too, good. Hopefully, why on earth will be on your list yes your top 10 um it did debut a few weeks ago so check it out why check it out right away it seems like it's on a lot of different networks that is going to be a watch and that is going to be a wrap on news great job sarah again a reminder to everybody to check us out online we are at realmeneplants.com hit that support button help out the podcast also you're helping out paul's party when you do that take the 30-day challenge look at those blogs check us out on our youtube channel channel that is and social media and all that other kind of good stuff so great job sarah we will do it all again tomorrow we thank you for tuning in see ya All right, time now to tell you about VegReg. Yeah, VegReg.com helps you find plant-based restaurants and businesses in just one click. And if you are a vegan-friendly business, they can help you get found. If you are searching for healthy, cruelty-free meal options in your local area, VegReg is the perfect solution. Another great thing about VegReg, they have recipes. And when I say recipes, I mean recipes a bacon lovers blt cookie dough protein bites penne arrabbiata the entree not the character from the sopranos and yeah and even a vanilla bean cheesecake and they are all plant-based you can also find spotlight vegan businesses and more when you click on over to vegreg.com that's right it's vegreg.com